0: Welcome to Nine Points Started with a Dream Podcast. Our goal is to showcase the stories of athletes and the community that supports them by being authentic about their journey. Here's your host, Jacoby Gillum. Yo, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jacoby Gillum. This episode, you know, is 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 is, is a real good one. It's it's a lot about mental health, a conversation that sometimes does not get amplified the way it should, right? Because of the stigma especially in sports and it reminds me of, like why point first started three years ago because we want to kind of help reduce the stigma we want to kind of help athletes not feel alone on their journey and emily potter our guest today her journey embodies all of that she has this phrase that, that goes mental health is just as important as physical health and the way she describes it and what that means to her it's something that we can all relate to, and I, and I love how she's using her platform and her journey to kind of be an advocate for mental health and sports. Now she's kind of helping other athletes not feel alone on their journey, and so you're gonna love her story, you're gonna love what what she's about as a person and what she's aiming to achieve. Um, so I hope you enjoy this, enjoy, enjoy her story, gain some value from her mental health tips, and what you can maybe do to kind of help help yourself, or maybe help a friend that, that may be in need. So hope you enjoy, and let's get to it. So, Emily, the question that everyone that comes on is, um, when you're younger as an athlete, was one of your biggest dreams goals you want to achieve?
1: Yeah, so when I was little, my first kind of dream, when I was about seven or eight, was just to play NCAA basketball, watching that on the TV with my dad. March Madness, you know, we didn't get a lot of college games on TV when I was younger. It's a lot better now. But, you know, there was always Marsh Madness games and, you know, everyone in my family played basketball and I knew I wanted to play. At that time, I hadn't started yet, but that was kind of my first
0: dream. So it like a family affair for you, right? So was it almost like a way for you to bond with the family a little bit?
1: Yeah, I mean, I played a lot of team sports growing up, same with my sisters and, you know, loved being a part of a team, but my dad really loved basketball the most and my mom as well. So, you know, they were always excited to talk about it. Um, I love even now, you know, talking about basketball with my dad, if we just turn on a game on TV, just watching a game together is still, you know, one of my favorite things to do with him.
0: Are you, your dad, are you beating him one-on-one?
1: Oh, I'm definitely, you know, (laughs) I'm I'm definitely winning.
0: (laughs) Awesome. So as you kind of progressed through basketball, you kind of started to love the game. When did you kind of think that, I want to take this further than just, you know, a family affair?
1: Yeah, I think in high school is when I started taking it more seriously, playing for the provincial team that we have, you know, in my province in Canada. So every, I guess, you know, state province across Canada has their team during the summer of the best players. And then you have nationals and you come together and play against those teams. We did, you know, go to AU tournaments and everything as well. And that's kind of where I started to be like, okay, like I could get noticed, you know, this is my chance to be noticed by college coaches. And then in the 10th grade, I had my first opportunity to try out with the national team for one of their younger age groups. I think it was like a U16 team. And I never ever thought playing basketball that, you know, playing for team Canada could be something that I could do. So that really opened my eyes to the possibilities. And then I set my sights on making that team. I got cut my first year and then I came back the next year and made the U-17 team.
0: So going on that, you said you were cut. So for you, when you were cut, how did you initially react?
1: You know, I was super upset at first. I was one of the last two cuts, but I think, you know, looking back, it was for the best. I was really young and I needed to kind of mature and both like physically and mentally, in the game of basketball. So I started to take things more seriously after that and not just focus on the basketball aspect. So yes, I, you know, had my alarm set. I would wake up early in the morning and get my shots in. And every time something was hard, I would just kind of think back to like I'm making this team next summer. But then I also, you know, started to work out with a strength coach one-on-one because I was really lanky, (laughs) really lanky, tall, six, five girl, same height that I am now, but like 20 pounds lighter And, you know, started talking with a nutritionist, making sure I was eating better, talking with a mental coach to help me with that side of the game, to make sure I was covering all my bases, because there's so much that you can do off the court as well. I think a lot of people sometimes think, you know, you just got to grind 24 seven, you got to be working hard all the time. And I totally believe in that. And you do need to work hard. But I'm also a firm believer in taking days to rest because sometimes that's what your body needs more making sure you're getting enough sleep so it's all part of the pie you know there's so many pieces
0: look it's all part of the kind of goes into achieving that athlete dream so for you you kind of realize that you need more than just the basketball to make it you know the next level. So how did you figure out this mental side of things or like, well, just in high school, how do you kind of figure out that was something you need? I know a lot of athletes. I know I did in high school. I didn't think about mental. I just thought about strength, the squats and press and the, the speed work. I didn't think about developing the mindset, to be able to push through those tough moments when I can't rely on that.
1: Yeah. I think my body language was definitely sometimes an issue. It wasn't coming from a, a selfish place. I didn't think but when you have bad body language, when you're personally struggling on the court, everyone else sees that, and everyone else is affected by it. So if I, you know, wasn't doing well, I felt like I was letting my team down, and then I would get down. But you know, you got to have a lot of energy to play basketball and everybody feeds off each other, especially if you're a leader of a team, like I was in high school, and I was just so hard on myself, which one doesn't make the game very fun when you're always stressed about that. And two, yeah, I just brought everyone else down as well. So I really had to work to be okay with making mistakes because basketball is a game of mistakes, right? Nobody makes all of their shots. You know, nobody finishes the game, you know, as a team with zero turnovers. So that's what I try to tell myself. And even, you know, what I tell younger players now, if I'm coaching or helping out like NBA players, they miss shots. If you're shooting 50% from the field, that's Pretty dang good. You know, you're going to have games sometimes where it's really high. You're going to have games sometimes where your percentage is lower, but it all, you know, should even out and, you know, mistakes and missed shots are a part of the game of basketball. So I just had to kind of change my mindset to understand that and build my
0: confidence on the mental side. And last question on that then, so so for you, what was like your driving factor? So like what was driving you to want to be the best? Was it just internally or was it like an exterior factor?
1: Yeah, I think it's been mostly internally for me just to see how good I can become. Every level I've progressed to so far, I've been pretty successful. So I'm like, okay, like, let's see what we can do next. And I just want to be the best Emily I can be. You know, you don't have to go from the bottom to the top right away. But if you just make that 1% increase every single day, it's all going to add up. So yeah, I just try to, you know, do myself justice. And I don't want to look back on my journey through sport or through life with any regrets. So just, you know, give it your all and see really what can happen.
0: So that journey from year two of trying out for King Canada to making it to college... How did that progress once you really started to, uh, I guess, develop yourself as a compete athlete, mentally? Yeah.
1: I mean, that definitely helped make the transition to college easier and helped me get recruited after I made the national team. You know, I've been playing with them like sporadically from summer to summer and, and training with them. And that's always, you know, an amazing opportunity that I'll never take for granted, just playing against and playing with some amazing players. And Recruiting-wise, Utah, the university that I went to, actually saw me at Team Canada tryouts. There's been a long line of Canadians that have competed there. I think since the 90s, they've had at least one every single year on the team. When I was there, we had you know three or four every single year, and I think there might have been five there this year. So they've really recruited that Canadian pipeline, which I love. It's kind of like a little piece of home. So, you know, I was recruited by them and then going to other AU tournaments with other basketball teams, you know, you get exposed to other college coaches and went through that process. And that was really hard. That was a really hard decision for me, you know, because coaches put a lot of time and effort to get to know you and I'm really big on loyalty. So that was hard to, you know, tell schools that like, that wasn't the place I wanted to go, but I've never regretted my decision to go to Utah. And I'm really happy, you know, that's my alma mater now. And I, I met so many great people and got to play in the Pac-12. But I think encompassing everything that I did, you know, strength, mental, wellness, nutrition, basketball, all together made that jump from high school to college a lot easier. And then playing for the national team also made that jump easier because I had experience playing against other great players. I had experience being away from home. So it made it a lot easier for me to jump into my freshman year. And not struggle as much, I think.
0: Utah was smart because, you know, like then colour the, as, as in Canada, the colors match.
1: Oh yeah. I've always, you know, in high school my team is red, Canada's red, Utah's red. So I just, you know, I love I love me some red.
0: You're sold. So now you're in college, you're a freshman and now you're really are you still thinking about Team Canada and kinda get to this next level or are you thinking just I'm gonna enjoy this college journey and see where it goes?
1: Yeah. So throughout college, you know, I spent some summers training with the national team, but when you're in a college season, it can be really long, you know, and it's, it can definitely get to be a grind and you just got to focus on, you know, what's in front of you and not look
0: too far ahead. And so on that, then I guess like, what would your journey like when it comes to just kind of balancing the student athlete, you know, like, like, was it still like having a social life as well, or were you like all business?
1: Yeah, I think, My teammates, we were a really unique mix of girls, but every single year I was in college, we got along so well. So, you know, there's your socialization piece. I'm with my teammates every day. I live with my teammates. So I am a little bit more of an extrovert. I do need people to help me recharge, but I can also, you know, be by myself. So you try to, you know, make time to be with your teammates. Those are, you know, your close friends when you're, or other athletes, when you're a college athlete yourself. But when I got to college, I was really ready to just focus on that basketball aspect. So, you know, I went to bed at 10 p.m. I was My first year, I was just tired from all the practices and the work. No matter how much you prepare yourself for it, it's an adjustment. You're going to be tired. You know, so I I accepted that. I knew that's how it was going to be. And that was fine with me because I really wanted to play
0: basketball. It was not the game.
1: Yeah. And I mean... Like schoolwork's always important as well. I don't want to like <laughs> completely <laughs> miss not, that part. Student athlete, parents, yeah, <laughs> student athlete. My parents, when my sister, who's two years older than me, when we were growing up, they made it very clear that you know if we didn't have you know a really good grade point average, like sports weren't going to be an option. So. I always try to prioritize schoolwork as well, but I'm the kind of person like I'm competitive in everything I do and I just want to do well in everything I do. So whether that's basketball or, you know, schoolwork or playing Monopoly against you, like I want to win and I want to do well. So I don't ever want to sell myself short. So I try to divide up the time as best as you can and make sure you're doing the best that you can in every aspect.
0: A monopoly, I'll get get boardwalk. It's over. <laughs> right. <laughs> so in college, what well, like the hardest moment for you, or like or like a moment where you said, "Man, can I keep going through this?"
1: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely were more than a few bumps along the road. You know, in my college experience, my sophomore year in September, right before you know we're getting ready to start practice, I tore my ACL. Mm-hmm. So obviously that was hard going through the whole process, sitting out the whole year. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it just really solidified that this is what I love to do. I love to play basketball. And throughout all my injuries, that's, you know, kind of what it always comes down to. I know I still love basketball and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to have to do the work to get back to playing and we'll go from there. So that experience my sophomore year really taught me a lot about myself. And you kind of got to start from square one and build yourself back up, learning how to run again, you know, how to play basketball. And there's a lot of mental doubts on that side of, okay, I just didn't play basketball for a year. That's the longest I've gone without this sport since I started. Am I even going to be good anymore? And you got to just trust in the process and trust that the rehab you're doing every day and the work that you're doing every day is going to get you back to where you need to go. You know, you can't be scared of stepping on that court and re-injuring yourself. You've spent hundreds, thousands of hours in the training room. So I just tried to, you know, once I was on the court... I wasn't going to think about any of that. And I was just going to enjoy playing because I was without it for so long. So that was definitely challenged me on, you know, the mental side of the game and mental strength or whatever you want to call it, just navigating how to be away from the sport and finding your identity outside of sport. And I know a lot of athletes struggle with that transition after they leave college, right? You've left college. You're no longer a student athlete and for so much of your life, that was your identity. So I kind of already went through that my sophomore year. Yes, I was still on the team, but I wasn't a basketball player. So that helped me realize that like, I am a basketball player, but it's what I do. It's not who I am. And then another mental struggle I had was my senior year, the start of my senior year, one of my close friends passed away due to suicide. And that was a completely different, you know, Struggle that I went through because it wasn't related to basketball at all. It wasn't mentally how I was doing on the court. It was just like, it was life, you know, that's some heavy life stuff. And through that grief process, you know, I struggled with my own depression to the point where like I didn't really want to play basketball. And so then it was, you know, it was affecting my basketball because I didn't want to do it anymore. And that's when I knew that, you know, I I needed to reach out and get help because. I know I love basketball, but at that time I didn't want anything to do with it. I didn't really want anything to do with a lot of things in life. So going through that process and then speaking out about mental health has been really big for me to help myself and then in turn, be able to help others. And I've just learned so much about myself and that process. And yeah, that's probably like what I'm most proud of myself is just, you know, speaking out about mental health and, you know, overcoming
0: those challenges. That's awesome in so many ways because mental health is just like a big conglomerate of things, right? Think about the sport and then you're saying, you know, how do I still love this game? Even though I, you know, like I'm having a hard time waking up every day and stuff like that. So for you, what would you say is the first step is someone just to figure out themselves and trying to work through this fun that you your still?
1: Yeah, I mean, self-awareness, you know, is obviously super important, And that took me a while to even realize like, okay, like what I'm going through, like might be depression. You know, I didn't want to say those words to myself, didn't want to talk about it. And I thought I could deal with it by myself. Mental health issues, whatever it may be, can make you feel really isolated and make you feel like nobody understands what you're going through. But what I try to do, you know, and spread the message is that like, there's a lot of people that go through it. Like a lot, a lot of people know what you're going through and have experienced it themselves. And that's why we need to talk about it so you don't feel so alone and feel that stigma surrounding it. So yes, people do understand what you're going through. And then it's the steps to you know, try to reach out for help. And that can be really hard in some places, lack of resources, lack of accessibility. And I think we have a long way to go still with how we treat mental health because it's health you know you have your physical and mental health but if you are physically healthy but you don't have mental health then what's the point you know like you're not getting out of bed you're not doing the things that you want to do or may love so you need both of those pieces to be well and to be able to you know function in society and have a meaningful life so reaching out for help can be you know a, f- a friend to confide in and lean on them
0: one the reason why i started nine point right because I was one of the that went through that mental health stop and I thought I was so alone, right? And plus, because yeah. I was scared to voice it because I was like, man, I'm Jacoby the athlete. I can't have a mental health problems. That's like the stigma, right? So how do you tell an athlete that it's okay, not be okay? Kind of break down that wall and that that fear of shame or whatever it may be to, to tell somebody to say, hey, it's okay.
1: Yeah, I think... You know, it starts kind of like as a ripple effect, and you just have to be willing to be vulnerable and know that vulnerability is strength. And I know for a long time, as athletes, we've been taught like push through, like you need to be tough, like no showing signs of weakness in terms of being on the court or whatever sport you're in and not showing that weakness while you're playing. And I think that can be damaging, but you know, that's just the way it was. But on the mental side, like it's okay to be vulnerable, you know, like all of my struggles make me stronger. They make me more compassionate and more understanding of other people. And it's really scary to take that leap. But when you open up to one person, if that person doesn't support you, then you don't want those type of people in your life. You know, that's the point we're at right now. It's 2020. If you're confiding in somebody about your mental health and they aren't being supportive, you just got to find somebody else that does. And there's so many other free resources, you know, to help you if you feel like you're alone and you haven't found anybody to talk to yet either. You know, whether it be online, help phone lines, you know, or if you can, you know, if you have coverage, if you can afford it, talking to psychologists, counselors, even if it's just a couple of times, they can help you and give you so many tools to help navigate what you're going through.
0: That's dope. And you got to buy our article too for, you know, (laughs) like... I was reading through it and 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 the the words you use kind of paint the picture that we can all relate to. Just like you said, you know, like you're not alone.
1: Yeah. And that article now is just over two years old, right? So I wrote it in my senior year at Utah in the spring and I actually just read it back. So I think it was like close to when, you know, the two years was, you know, you get the notification, here's your memories on Facebook, whatever social media. So I read that article and it was really crazy to me like I hadn't read it obviously in a long time and it was crazy looking back just at my own progress and it really brought tears to my eyes like that's the place that I was in and where I was writing from at that time was super authentic to me and my experience. but I'm in, in such a better place now and it's yeah it's amazing to look back and see kind of like the progress I've made. And I just think that's testament to that. Like it does get better. It can get better. I've learned so much about mental health and how to work on myself. And I've had my ups and downs, but like I'm in the best place that I've been in since I wrote that article.
0: And effective to the ACL, to your friend passing away and make you almost kind of build like this calluses.
1: Yeah, I definitely, you know, agree with that analogy. And I don't want any of those experiences kind of make me a harder, more closed off person. They've taught me lessons, you know, they've helped shape me to who I am. We're all the, every one of us is the sum of our experiences, right? So you just have to try to take those lessons and learn from it. They have made me, you know, a stronger person, but definitely also more compassionate and willing to listen to others because myself personally, before I had my own mental struggles, didn't really pay any minds to mental health or wellness outside of the scope of basketball, right? Like, I was focused on how can I be mentally great on the court, but I never thought of it off the court. I never put those things together or talked about mental health with any of my friends or anybody I knew, and they could have very well been struggling. And if they approached me, I don't know how I would have reacted. And, you know, that upsets me that I, you know, didn't know sooner. So, what can I do now to try to? I guess, spread that message.
0: So once you graduated, what was your thoughts? It was like, okay, hey, I'm gonna go get a nine to five or like, I'm gonna go WNBA. I'm gonna go overseas. What was your game plan?
1: Yeah. So after I finished my senior season, it's kind of a crazy process. I got an agent, ended up getting invited to a training camp in the WNBA, went through that process, ended up getting cut. And then Did some training with a national team that summer while trying to find a team to sign with in Europe. So it can be definitely stressful because it's up in the air. People are asking you all the time, what's next? What's next? What's next? And you don't always know yet. Even though I knew like, yeah, I'm going to go play overseas. I didn't know where I was playing. So if you think about it, it's really actually crazy. Let's say it's June. That's when I signed my first year. But before I signed, it's June. I don't know where I'm going to be living in two months. In what country. I'd never been there before. I don't know any of the people. And I literally moved across the ocean, never having met any of these people. I've talked to them on the phone, maybe FaceTime them. And I'm going into a completely foreign country. So you really have to have a lot of faith in yourself and faith in the process that things are going to work out. And I mean, you can control the narrative of you know, what people are asking you, I know sometimes it can be overwhelming, like, Oh, what are you doing next? What are you doing next? And you just got to really take a minute, think about how you want to address that and answer that. And you can, you know, say what you need to say to them without being mean, even if you are frustrated about all the people like coming up to you and be like, yeah, you know, I'm in the process of figuring it out, but everything's going to be okay. I trust the process. And you know, that's all you need to say. Yeah. And I kind of learned that. So last year, you know, I went, I went to Poland for a few months and I ended up getting injured and it was just best for me to come home, have surgery here and rehab and be at home. So that's what I did. But, you know, during that time, of course, everyone's asking you like, Oh, how are you doing? How's your rehab going? Like what's going on? And at that point, like my rehab wasn't going good. It was a really long process and it was really challenging doing it by myself here at home. And You know, I talked to a sports psychologist about it and she was like, you just got to prepare like what you want to say about it and you can change the narrative however you want. So I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to tell people like you can be honest and tell people, you know, it's been an up and down struggle, but I'm going to make it through it. It's going to be okay. You know, you don't have to always say, yeah, it's all good. If you're not feeling good, you can be authentic to yourself and, and tell people that you're struggling without... Open up bringing place. them down the process yeah
0: so you went to poland you know that was a different culture right compared to yeah and then you came back home and recovered and you went overseas and you were was it italy correct I, right on, right I was on? in czech republic czech, czech republic okay yeah so so how was czech how was that beast of uh, you know just learning the culture and all the other stuff
1: yeah it was a super good experience, I think, and just you know making it through the season healthy was a win for me personally. You know that first year after injury sometimes can be a little stressful, so really made sure I was taking care of my body and I tried to take advantage of you know traveling to places nearby, getting to know my teammates, and they all you know thankfully spoke good English, so that was a definite plus.
0: You got you got them full through too, right?
1: Yeah, that was in Budapest. Uh. Yeah, no, I tried <laughs> lots of different. Types of food, and you know, I was eating good and playing a lot of basketball, and just trying to make the most of the opportunity to be in Europe, where everything is, you know, there's so much history, there's so many places to travel, but then also making sure you're taking care of your body and getting that rest as well.
0: So, what's your game like? Are you a flashy, you know, um, center forward? Are you like what's your style?
1: <laughs> yeah, I definitely, I don't think I'm a flashy player at all. You know, like I'm a center. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I know people want to you know have the jelly or whatever and uh, <laughs> be playing that way and i you know I appreciate that. I appreciate so many different types and aspects of things about basketball, but for me, you know it's my job when I get the ball to score. Scoring is something that I've always loved to do, and being a post when you get the ball in the post, that's your job. that's what you get to do so unless you're double teamed or something like that, I can just you know try to score so Yeah. I love scoring on offense. I love fast breaks, just, you know, beating opponents down the floor and getting easy post-ups. That's the easiest way for me to score because the defense isn't set or anything like that. So getting out and running is something I really like to do defense. Obviously I've always loved blocking shots, you know, with my height, but I definitely feel like I've put more of a focus on, on defense this year with my feet and footwork and that thing, that kinds of things and being a post when you're on defense you're kind of like the last line of defense, right? On offense, the point guard sees the whole floor and, you know, my back's to the basket. But when I'm on defense, I'm the last line of defense, usually closest to the basket and I can see the whole floor. So it's really important to, you know, talk and communicate and let everyone else know what's going on around you because I can see all those things. So I really, I love talking on the floor in that regard and, you know, making sure we're all working as one unit. A true leader. You know, I, uh, <laughs> I try, but I do, I feel like I've always enjoyed like a leadership type of role for sure.
0: So things coming to an end, right? And we kind of got this world pandemic. Like what are your thoughts on what am doing next? Like Emily, what's next?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously I am still hoping to play basketball professionally next year. And in the meantime, I'll be training at home and just trying to, you know, fill my days as much as I can while still staying at home for the most part. And, you know, listening to what health officials are saying, I think it's important to everybody to take it seriously, and take some time to slow down. I think that could be beneficial for everybody. And I know it's a really stressful time. And you know, I don't want to minimize that, you know, there's people that can't work, people that are scared to go to work, scared to go outside because of you know the health risks and you know we need to take precautions but i think we can also hopefully in this time with more free time slow down figure out what's important to us and find time to do what we need to do but also do some things that we love that we might not normally get to what
0: are you doing i know the last call you said you, you're walking love is blind i know you yeah. i know you're a foodie <laughs> so what what's what, what you doing while kind of have this break
1: Yeah. So I've gotten into yoga. I've been doing yoga every day now for the last week. And I'm hoping to just keep doing that every morning when I wake up. It's something that, you know, I've done sporadically, but now I get a chance to really commit to it with the time that I have. And then, you know, other various workouts, biking, weight workouts, you know, in the basement, just trying to get a sweat on, get moving. I've been cooking, you know, a little bit more, My dad's a really good cook, so, you know, he always is teaching me different recipes and we're together in the kitchen, eating, cooking, that type of thing. You know, I have been watching some Netflix, but actually a lot less than usual. I got my coloring books. I got puzzles. I got my sewing machine. So I got a lot of different hobbies to
0: kind of keep me busy. How good are you at sewing? Like, are you, like, legit with it or are you...
1: I'm working on it. Okay. So, you know, I've sewn not actual articles of clothing, but I'll alter my own clothing. I've been making some hair scrunchies. So I'm just progressing my way up to, you know, make my own shirt is the first thing I'm going to attempt.
0: That's legit. I got these fat fingers though for me, like, sewing i tried i stabbed myself i'm like ah, I,
1: I still definitely do stab <laughs> myself but i'm doing it you know little things yeah. by hand but you just gotta you know power through
0: all right there cool cool and then last question for you so mental health wise what are some great resources out there that athletes can kind look into when i want to figure out on the side?
1: there's a lot of you know counseling and uh, yeah i guess online counseling services that i think are really great if you're don't want to meet with somebody in person. If you're curious about, you know, talking to a counselor, a lot of them have free trials for a couple of weeks where you can talk to somebody, whether it be over FaceTime, over the phone, over text, if you're really struggling and want to reach out to somebody that way. Otherwise there's tons of different, you know, organizations for mental health fundraisers that you can get involved in. In Canada, we have the Canadian mental health association, a really big one here. Another one that I really like, you know, I follow all their Instagrams. I read all the quotes, like quotes. I'm super big into quotes. So I love, you know, reading stuff that they kind of put out there that can kind of just help you feel better in your day-to-day life, whether it be tips on how to deal with anxiety or just, you know, a message or a quote of somebody saying that, you know, you're not alone. I really like the company To Write Love on Her Arms. It's T-W-O... HLA, that's her Instagram account. So, you know, that was started in honor of somebody that they lost and loved. So, there's so many different fundraisers, accounts, things like that. If you just, you know, even search them up on, on Google. And, you know, me and my friends organized a fundraiser as well for my friend that passed away. And so we have our own Instagram account. We share stuff as well. So, Sarah Strong fundraiser underscore, that's our account. And we, uh, you know, try to raise money for mental health initiatives in my city and just
0: break that stigma around mental health. Awesome. I love it. There's mental health as well, physical health, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. Mental health is just as important as physical health. That's kind of one slogan we came up with. And I think it's really important if you're an athlete or not.
0: Boom. Then the real last question for you, social media-wise, where are you at?
1: Yeah, my social media is at mpotter10, em potter10 that's all my social media is the same handle it's nice and easy
0: okay boom well emily it's great having you on again kind of learn more about your story and kind of see how you're progressing during this time and what you're up to
1: yeah thank you for having me
0: Yo, thanks for listening to this episode of the Nine Point Started with a Dream podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please comment, share, leave a review. We would love to hear your thoughts. You can find more athlete-driven content at ninepoint.com. Till the next episode, you're only one. Opportunity away. Peace.